welcome to QPod, QIC's Investor Insights podcast series. I'm Alison Hill, QIC's State Chief Investment Officer, and each fortnight I'll be chatting to Dr. Matthew Peter, where we'll invite our listeners to take 10 and listen to a conversation where we'll be talking about markets, investments, economics, and all things that might interest an institutional investor. So good morning, Matthew, and thank you for joining me in the first of this new series. Morning, Alison. Great to be here. Wonderful. And I believe you just come back from holidays. Yes, I spent a glorious three weeks in mainly in Italy, but also uh, Denmark. Oh, fantastic. Any observations from the trip? Yeah, I think three things stood out to me. Firstly, COVID is clearly yesterday's problem over there in, in uh, Europe, notwithstanding the Omicron wave that's currently occurring. The Europeans are seeing COVID now um, particularly Omicron, is a little more than a cold. You don't see any mask wearing. There's no social distancing. They're getting on with it. They're living with COVID just like they would live with the flu. The second thing is the heat wave that we've been hearing about at, um, here in Australia. It's a really significant event over there in Europe at the moment. We're talking about entire populations across northern Italy, France, for example, Germany, UK, populations whose housing and offices and restaurants don't have air conditioning. They've been suffering through a month of uninterrupted 30 degree plus weather. And this summer event in Europe is so dramatic and affecting so many people that it's clearly going to accelerate, I believe, the push to renewables. And that is also going to push that renewable energy investment theme, one of course, which our infrastructure team's been pursuing, push it forward by years, I would say. And Mm. finally, Despite the weather event, despite the high rates of inflation, despite the Ukraine-Russia war, the mood I found among the general population is actually quite buoyant. And in fact, at odds with, uh, for example, consumer confidence measures, which are very weak, um, I think it just goes to show what record low unemployment rates can do. You know, when you're walking past shop fronts, we're advertising for shop assistance practically every shop front, it's not hard to see that um, households are feeling relatively buoyant and and, uh, upbeat. And I think that's actually what I'd like to pin down today, if we could have a little bit of a conversation about. Be interested to see where do you think we are in in the global cycle? Well, I mean, interestingly, with the release of the European uh, GDP data, we now have got a pretty good picture of where we are over the first half of this year. The world's two largest economies, US and China, actually experienced declines in economic activity in the June quarter, uh, with the US entering a technical recession following uh, negative growth in the March quarter. Uh, Europe, of course, bucked that trend um, as the impact from reopening from COVID really trumped uh, the impact of higher inflation and and the impact of, uh, of course, the Ukraine-Russia uh, war. But the outlook is set to worsen in Europe over the second half of the year, particularly mm-hmm. with um, gas prices set to surge. And finally, Australia also seems to have registered pretty solid growth over the first half of the year. We're expecting you know, 0.9% quarter-on-quarter growth in the first quarter, and we're going to see that backed up in the second quarter. And that's been underpinned by the consumer and by trade balance, particularly resource mm-hmm. exports. Central banks, we know uh, in the first half of the year, pretty slow to respond to rising inflation. I think they were fooled earlier in the year by the um, breakout of Omicron, and they put them on the sidelines. And it wasn't really until the Ukraine-Russia war forced their hand that central banks shifted tack, and it's been a case of catch-up since then with interest rates actually rising at record pace. 
and and in the face of higher interest rates and a deteriorating uh, economic outlook, we know that markets shifted sharply um, over the first half of the year from pricing a Goldilocks style global economy to really, I think, what they're pricing in or have been pricing in is is really a stagflation outcome. Mm. Uh, and equities, as we know, bore the brunt of that entering into a bear market, at least in the US, as real interest rates actually surged by uh, you know, almost a record 150 basis points. And the outlook shifted south quite significantly. And more recently, the equity markets have stayed somewhat of a comeback as central banks have managed mm-hmm. to quell fears of a complete inflation meltdown. So where does that leave us here? Are we in recession? The jury's out, I think, on that, even though, as I said, US is in a technical recession. The other data, particularly labour market data, ways against uh, that being, you know, the economy being in a recession, the global economy in recession. Uh, and we'll have to see how um, things pan out in the second half of the year. I think we will avoid a recession. And even if we do have a recession, it'll be a fairly mild recession. Oh, look, it's, it's a fascinating topic. And, you know, I think that there's a, a small point of difference probably from your perspective there and Matthew and mine in that, I think your your view is perhaps a 40% chance of recession and a, a 60% chance of a soft landing. And I'd probably err slightly towards, more towards the fact that we will will have a recession, whether it's a, a technical recession uh, or not, I guess, is a, is, a, is a discussion. But certainly when you're out there filling up the tank, getting some petrol, it's really expensive. Or even just going shopping, you know, buying letters these days, it, it's, it's, it's quite remarkable. So it's certainly, from my perspective, from a consumer perspective with energy and food price inflation, it feels a lot tighter and it feels like it could be a recession. And I do think that that can have a real impact on consumer sentiment. But, you know, also things like, you know, uh, while we might not see the labour data there, we do know it's lagged. And so I'd just be interested to hear if you've got any further thoughts on that. Yes, well, the the growth data, as you point out in the US, already sort of points to a technical recession in that country. And as I said, we've had a sharp slowdown in China and we're likely to have a slowdown in Europe. But but when you look across the uh, globe, it's really the labour markets um, is, is one key pointer, even though it, you know, that data is lagged in terms of following, you know, what happens to growth. The labour markets are really, really strong. You know, it's not just that they're a bit strong. They are, they are extremely strong. And that strength in the labour markets really incongruent with a recession. Over the first half of this year, when they were supposedly in a technical recession, the unemployment rate actually fell in the US from an already low 3% to 3.6%, which is where it is currently. And closer to home, if we ignore the, the COVID uh, recession of 2020, the unemployment rate hit 11% during our last recession, which was way back in 91, 92, while our current unemployment rate, just like in the US, has been falling over the first half of this year, reaching a 50-year low of 3.5% in June. And that was combined with a record level of uh, labour force participation. Now, the unemployment rate, we expect to gradually climb, but you know it will still remain at levels that you would not identify as being even close to a recession. And consequently, mm-hmm. we, we expect to see that to eventually put some pressure on wages and, and, and have um, a bit of wage growth as well. So cushioning the uh, impact on the consumer of higher interest rates and higher inflation is this 
very strong labour market. People have got jobs, and when people have got jobs, they they tend to spend, uh, notwithstanding what whatever the um, consumer sentiment indexes say, and they've been particularly poor indicators of consumer spending um, since COVID, actually. And also, we're likely to see wage growth. On top of that, we've still, the consumer, the household sector still has relatively strong balance sheets and, you know, savings buffers. The savings rate in Australia is very high, 12%. Prepayments on mortgages are running about 21 months ahead of schedule and the interest bill is still quite manageable as a share of uh, disposable income. However, with interest rates rising over the second half of this year, uh, we've already seen banks pass on the uh, RBA rate hikes we will see those buffers erode and that we mm. think they'll be exhausted or or back to sort of more neutral levels by the end of this year. So really, Alison, whilst I think we can get through the second half of this year without drifting in recession, we have to have the economy on a more solid footing by the end of this year, meaning that there has to be some transfer of uh, the growth driver from the consumer and from commodity exports towards business investment largely into 2023 if we're to, uh, you know, continue to uh, stabilise the economy post-COVID. You're listening to Alison Hill and QIC's Take 10 podcast, where I'm having a chat with Chief Economist Dr Matthew Peter and having a fascinating conversation about the state of the world economy. And look, it really is is on a bit of a knife's edge, I think, in some respects, in that, you know, the markets are really oscillating between optimism, where we have many of the positive impetuses you're talking about, you know, strong employment figures, undoubtedly, you know, strong consumer savings, uh, partially a result of payments received during COVID um, that weren't spent uh, or potentially weren't even able to be spent as people were locked down um, and, and pent up demand as a result from that. But the but the converse, I look at it and go, the rate of, you know, pace of interest rate increases is is quite extraordinary and certainly for uh, many of us in the markets today, we haven't invested during a period of high rates of inflation, uh, high rates of interest rate rises like this. And I do think that poses many challenges for how we can uh, execute a soft landing. But I certainly hope for all of us that that is, uh, that is indeed the case. But, well, Alison, uh, <laughs> Alison, you know, you're you're the, the investor, the asset allocator. Uh, I'm the economist. So I, I have the luxury of being the glass half full person and whereas you have to be the conservative glass half-empty person, I think. But you're dead right. I agree with you. It's it, We're very finely balanced at this point. Mm-hmm. I think markets have, have now adjusted to the right level of expectation in terms of where cash rates um, and Fed funds rate in the US are going to head. We're mm-hmm. talking about um, the... Uh, you know, the cash rate getting to our forecast is 2.85% by the mm. end of the year. Um, the Fed funds rate uh, something like around about 3.3% by the end of the yeah. year. So so both the US and, and Australia converging on around about that 3% number, which will I think we'll see where the uh, monetary policy tops out, at least in mm. this current cycle. Uh, we've seen the expectations in the marketplace, which were in Australia's case running at over 4%, you know, that the RBA was going to take the cash rate to above 4% about a month ago, come back down to something more manageable. And that is a little bit more in line with where we think uh, things should be heading. And of course, if the RBA had been forced to take the 
the cash rate to four uh, percent, we would certainly have um, entered into a recession here in Australia. Inflation expectations are settling down too; they're they're mm. nicely well behaved. So. So markets are stabilising um, at, of course, a higher interest rate regime. Um, equity markets, we've seen, you know, recover off those those lows and, and stabilising. Their earnings are being re-rated down somewhat. So I think market that the the risk of a, a sort of a market uh, meltdown has has really diminished. Of course, there'll be volatility going forward. Um, so yeah. that's another risk factor I think that's potentially diminished a little bit. So that also gives me a bit of confidence that, you know, we can engineer a soft landing or a very mild recession. Look, I certainly I certainly hope that's the case, but it has been pleasing to see that, you know, markets have been able to digest and look through uh, these interest rate rises. And, and I think, as you note, that's approximate 3% um, you know, rate by the end of the year is something that certainly the markets have been able to process and, and discount in. And, and now we are seeing uh, you know, more more confidence bodes well for, a, I guess, a steadier outlook looking forward. But no doubt there'll be something around the corner that will keep us interesting. So thank you very much for joining me today. And uh, thanks for our listeners for taking 10.